0: All right, so we're going to read here tonight. If you want to read, you're sure welcome to do so. And uh, we're in Proverbs 29 tonight. Proverbs chapter 29. I love that last song we just sung. That's my heart's desire. See his face. What a day that will be. All right, so there's uh, three, okay, all right, so looks like there's uh, 27 verses, that'd be nine, nine apiece. Sister Kayla said she didn't fall one time uh, skiing, that's pretty good.
1: (laughs) He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. The king by judgment establisheth, establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. In the transgression of an evil man there is a snare, but the righteous doth seeing him rejoice. The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest.
0: Hey, Amen. The
2: bloodthirsty hate the upright but the just seek his soul. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. The poor and the deceitful men meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be, disabled forever. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest, ye, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he.
0: Amen.
3: Wait, what verse is
0: Verse nineteen.
3: A servant will not be created by words, though. For though he understand, he will not answer. Seest though, though a man that is hasty in his words? There's there's more hope of a fool than them of him. He that dire, directly um, bringeth up to, up his um, servant from a child shall have have which I have him become his son at the length. length. And an angry man stir yeah Up uh, strife. Strife and and a furious man, a and
0: tra- transgression.
3: transgression, a man man pride shall uh, bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Wo and partner. With the thief, he hateth of his own soul. He heareth crushing, cr- no. and beware if Be- it yeah. beware it not. The fear of man bringeth a, sh- a snare. Mm-hmm. But who, whose
0: so, who so?
3: But whoso Purpose. putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Many seek the ruler's favor, favor but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. And a unjust, a a just, a just man is a
0: abomination.
3: Abomination to just to he to the and he that is upright. In the way is is abomination, is a uh, wicked
0: abomination.
3: Abomination to the wick, wicked.
0: wicked. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. You have your Bibles tonight. Turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six, and we're continuing on the thought about one another, and here tonight, in uh, chapter six, verse one. We'll read down to verse five. And uh, we will finish up what we started last week. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name here tonight, thanking you for the reading of your word. Thank you for the singing tonight. Thank you for all that you've gathered here on a Wednesday night. Lord, we are so thankful tonight, God, that you're able to be able to preach to us and to sing to us. And God, may the Spirit of God just convince us and persuade us and God, bring conviction upon our hearts over our sin and aid us and support us, dear God, in our troubles and difficulties in life. And, Lord, you've been so good and kind, and we have nothing to complain over. God, not one thing tonight, dear God, can I think of that you ever failed. And, Lord, we're glad tonight, Lord, that you give us privilege and honor to be called a Christian. I pray you'd open our eyes now as we think about one another and what do you have to say about that. I pray, Father, that we'd learn it, we'd act upon it. Go oh, God, I pray, Father, to be part of our lives and who we are. Thank you for all those that have made it back safely. God, thank you for those that have gathered here tonight. I pray you'll bless them. Touch every life and every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, last Wednesday, I'm going to recap just a little bit uh, on that. But last Wednesday, we preached on to restore one another. And that's what our job is, our responsibility is, just to restore each other. And so we're going to have to kind of pay much attention to that. What does that really mean, though? Well, it means to be, as that word restore, it means to reset a broken bone. And so if I'm going to restore somebody, I'm going to restore them back to the original state, back to the place that they were, to make one what they used to be or what they ought to be. That's a restoration. That's something that uh, as an arm in a cask would bring back the way that the arm was, the the, the very forma- the formation of the arm, the use of the arm, the muscle of the arm, all things will be just like it was after the cast. And so we find that word restoration means that. Now we talked about the one needing restor- restoration or the one needing to be restored. The Bible says in verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, uh, that word overtaken means caught off guard. It means bring to surprise or seize without warning. Or it means suddenly invaded. That word fault there, it means this. It means a slip up. It means something that was unintentional, an unintentional error. It means a falling down. We're not talking about a sin that's deliberately committed tonight. That's, we can't restore them. It's not talking about somebody who's willfully living in sin, willfully doing what's wrong, willfully being disobedient to God. You're not going to be able to do anything with that. Only the Holy Ghost of God can work in that. We find that that doesn't mean those who are living in habitual sin. They just do it constantly. They do it all the time. Uh, They like it. They love it. They enjoy it. Uh, You're not going to restore anyone of that nature. But you can restore anyone, and we ought to restore anyone, uh, that has maybe has done or created or spoke or did something that just came upon them. For example, something was an accident. I didn't mean to say that word. I didn't mean to treat you that way. I didn't mean to, uh, to cut you off. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. That's what my intentions, that what my motive. Uh, I didn't try to hurt you. I didn't try to cause any trouble. Uh, it did happen and I am guilty of it. And uh, it is sin, uh, but God calls it a fault right here. He said, now when somebody's overtaken in a fault, uh, that that fault has overtaken them. Uh, It wasn't something uh, that they thought of or something that they wish they would have done or thought that they could do. It's something that uh, they've done, uh, and yet they're embarrassed about it, and yes, they're convicted over it, and yes, they just can't get back in line. They just can't get back in order. Uh, They just can't continue to live for God because of shame, because of guilt or because of maybe feeling as if they're out of order, out of sorts, it's going to require somebody to come and restore them back to normal, back to where they were, back to where they need to be. And so we're talking about one another, the one who needs to be restored. Then he talked about, secondly, the one needing to restore. And so we talked about that one that is going to do the restoring. The Bible says in verse 1, which are spiritual, which are spiritual. Now, we're talking about those that are indwelt by the Spirit of God. We've seen that in chapter 4 and verse 6. And those who are walking in the Spirit of God, chapter 5 and verse 16. Those that are led by the Spirit, that's in chapter 5 and verse 18. And those that are filled with the Spirit, that's in Galatians 5, 22. Now, those uh, are those who there's no age requirement. Uh, to, to restore anybody, it's just required that you're spiritual. It just requires that you're indwelt, you're walking, you're being led, and you're filled by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the main motivator in your life. He's the one that is directing you, guiding you, leading you, influencing you, impacting you. The Spirit of God is what's taking you further and taking you on, not flesh, not world, uh, not man, uh, not any of those things, but the Spirit of God is working in you and on you. God says there's no age requirement. In other words, you can be saved for 50 years and never be spiritual. Right. Uh, you can be saved for one month and be as spiritual as they most can. So there's no age requirement to be able to restore anyone. You say, well, I'm only 18 years old. That, that, that doesn't mean anything. Well, I've only been saved for two months. That means nothing either. You know, I've been saved a year, five years. That means nothing. None of that matters. The age does not. age of salvation or the age of the person, it's spiritual. Spiritual. And so we find secondly, not only there's no age requirement, but there's no experience required. In other words, God says, okay, unless you've been through this before, you can't restore nobody. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, okay, unless you've got experience in life, in situations, experience in these things, then you can restore. No, he just says this. He says, if there's one that had been overtaken in a fault, he that is spiritual. No experience, no age requirement just spiritual. We find, thirdly, uh, no education required. So God doesn't expect you to have all this information of the Bible, have all these uh, scriptures memorized, and you have all these things that are put together in knowledge and understanding and wisdom and, and all that, and you're, and you're very sharp and you're very smart and you're very uh, able to, to go through the Word of God. He said, I don't require any of that. No age, no experience, no education, Spiritual. Now, aren't you glad tonight that you don't have to be of a certain age to be spiritual? Aren't you glad tonight you ain't got to have a certain experience in life to be spiritual? And don't you glad tonight to think that you don't have to be education, have education or be smart or degree to be able to be spiritual? I mean, it's most of the time the people who are at age or of age or above age and those educated and those tonight that have experience are the least spiritual people in churches. It's a wild thought, but it's a true thought. It seems like the longer they go and the longer they are, the less spiritual they become. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand all that, but I'm just saying that that's the case. And so we talked about that last week. Number three. Neither one needing restored and the one needing to restore, but we talked about the one in need to restore. In other words, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So if you are spiritual, that is, being indwelt by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit of God, and filled by the Spirit of God, then there's a way of restoring. And the Bible says, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. We find that that means this evening to yield to the Spirit. Needs to yield to the Spirit, the spirit of meekness. So, whenever you restore somebody who has fallen, who has slipped up, who has done something unintentional, you can't do it with anger. That's what he's talking about. You can't do it with anger. You can't point your finger at them and you can't tell them how upset you are and tell them how wrong they are. That's not going to work with this group. You're not going to restore anybody in that behavior. We find needs to be yielded to the Spirit not in anger, not in blaming, not in condemning, and not in correcting. This ain't the time to bring correction. This ain't the time to condemn them. This ain't the time to, to put them down. This ain't the time to say how sorry they are, how bad Christian they are. That's not the time. Restoring. So you got to do it in the spirit of meekness. It means that you do it in love, you do it in gentleness, and humility, and in patience. We find that to be true. Then you need to yield to yourself. The Bible says in verse 1, Considering thyself. So when you begin to restore someone who has, who has fallen, been overtaken by a fault, you need to consider yourself of your weaknesses. So when you're speaking to them in your mind, in your heart, you're thinking, I'm weak too. Right. You know, I'm not speaking to them to try to restore them uh, because I am not like they are. But I love them and care for them, and I want them to get back in the way. I want them to start going to church again. I want them to start living for God again. And so in considering this, you consider your own weakness. You consider your own failures. You consider your own negatives so that you know that when you're speaking to the one who needs to be restored, yourself could be the one next. You could be the next one that needs to be restored. And so that's, that's humbling. And so we find that the Bible says so clearly that we have the need to yield not only to the Spirit of God, but we need to yield to ourselves. But then thirdly, we preach on you need to yield to the sin. The Bible says, lest thou also be tempted. And so while we're as a spiritual individual trying to restore that one who has fallen, that brother and that Christian, uh, we find ourselves knowing that Sin will also draw us. It will also entice us. It will also uh, test us. Uh, It will also bring us to the place where you could also fall into the same sin that they did. You could also be uh, surprised by the same sin that they were surprised by you know like for example the anger i think anger is one of those faults that we have that we don't on purpose or we don't premeditate but something happens something said and i get anger and i fall into that and we got to know friend when we're trying to bring someone out bring someone up that we can be tempted ourselves so it's not like we're the top dog on the block it's not like we're spiritual sue and spiritual sam It's not like, you know, we got this under control. It's not like we got all our ducks in a row. It's not like that you and I who are spiritual who want to restore someone tonight would say, okay, I can and I will because I am all that. No, no, not at all. Those that can can restore anybody who is spiritual, and say, you know what? I'm humbled. I'm humbled that I'm able to say something to you to restore you because I'm just no better than you. I can do this, and I have done this, and and boy, I can be tempted just like you. It's just so happened that it's captivated you, it's overtaken you. It hasn't overtaken me yet, but one day it might overtake me, and you might have to restore me. And that's the mindset of restoring people, amen. And so we have a responsibility tonight to restore one another. It ought to be that you and I are looking and watching for somebody who has fallen. And how do you find that? How do you know that? Well, most of the time when they come in here, they got a smile on their face, and they got a little jolly about them, or they might be, have a personality of joking a little bit, or they might have a personality of, of you know, just uh, of saying hello, or maybe they have some comfort with them or warmth about them. You know, that's kind of the normal personality. But they come in one day, and they're quiet. They come in one day, and they just come sit down. They don't go shake hands. They come in one day, and they're kind of just, you know, bummed out. It just seems like they're just having something going on in their life you ought to be looking for them, and you ought to say, Lord, help me to be that spiritual one so that I can restore whatever's going on. Now, we don't know what's going on in them, but you go to them, you go to them with a spirit of, of meekness, and you go to them considering yourself, knowing that you can be also uh, tempted by that same situation going in their lives and say, I love you, I care for you, but I've noticed that you're down. Mm-hmm. Notice that you're down. I just want to pray with you. Can I, can I do that? Or can I just pray for you? Now, I would thank tonight those on the, on the other end who is being asked this. You walk in here with a different countenance. You walk in here with a sadness and a sorrow. You walk in here with you're not the same person. Something definitely is going on. And you might not want to tell the whole story. You might want to not tell everything of the details of it. But you might just look at the one who has some love in their eyes and their heart for you and say to them, thank you for even noticing that I am going through some things. And I appreciate it. And if you would pray for me, I'd like that. Maybe at the altar call, if I, if I just come out, will you come out with me? And can we just come together and pray? Do you see that much? No. No we don't see that at all. You know what we see? We see conviction of your own heart, and you come down to the, to the altar here. And not, Everybody who comes to the altar don't mean they're coming down here because they've got sin in their life, or they're, they're, they're a bunch of rotten, sorry, no good Christians. That's not why you come to the altar. I mean, many, many of them come to the altar because they got burdens, they got things in their heart, they're praying for the lost, they're praying for themselves, they got situations, they got things that they don't need, some things that they do need. And so there are multiple things that you'd come to the altar and pray and worship and lift it up for God. But man, wouldn't it be good if we have a church of people who care about one another, and they care so much about one another that they watch their lives and they know when things are just not right. And have enough grace about them and have enough mercy about them that they would kindly and affectionately just walk up and speak to them in a silent, in a a soft, silent way, not blasting and blaring out, and just say, I've noticed that things just don't look right with you today. Can I pray with you? Can I do something for you? Can I help you? And you'll be amazed, friend, that those would say, Man, I am so glad. I am so glad. Let's go to the altar. And let's pray about that thing. Now, I would not even be offended or I would not be alarmed if during the time of just waiting for the service to start and you and somebody come to the altar before the church even gets started. Man, we might start shouting right there. Right? God's already working forever. God's even working. I'm just saying one another tonight. That's what we got to start thinking. We got to start thinking one another. One another. Watch, look. And if somebody says to you, come to somebody, they say, man, is anything right? Man, I'm just fine. Everything's all right. Nothing's, nothing's bad. No problem. No problem. Just tell you I love you and I thought something might be wrong. Is there something wrong with that? Now, the ones tonight who say, I can't believe you'd come to me and say that something's wrong with me. <laughs> friend, you need to get it right. There, there's something bad wrong with you. I mean, listen, friend, if God would lay on my heart to come to you because if I feel like something's wrong... And then you in turn chew me out? You in turn be mad at me? In return to say, mind your own business? You know, stay on your block or stay in your lane or whatever how that stuff goes. I'm just saying tonight, we gotta be more, more with one another, and then apart from one another. Restore. Amen. Number two, this is why I stopped there, I stopped there last time I get to preaching here, okay? All right, number number two, I notice that uh, not only is there a a time to restore one another, but then there's a time to receive one another, to receive one another. The Bible says in verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, to bear one another's burdens. We notice that that word bear there, it means to lift one's load. If you're going to bear another person's burden tonight, you're going to lift the load. You're not going to add to the load. (laughs) You're You're not going to put more on. You're going to take it off. Amen. And so there's a lifting of the load. So a burden would be a load. The bearing of it would be a lift. Lifting the load. Number two, it means to carry one's weight. And so it means that you come to some individual and you say, give that to me. Give me what? Give me whatever's weighing you down. I want it. Now that'd be some kind of conversation, wouldn't it? Somebody come to you and say, hey man, you you got any weight on you? Oh yeah, I got a big weight on me. Give it to me. I want it. And I say to you, friend, that's what you do when you bear one another's burdens. We find that that word means also to endure one's trouble. So the burden is a trouble. The bearing is to endure it. And so when somebody's in trouble, somebody, and usually these kind of things are not not noticed amongst people, uh, you're going to have to have conversations. You're going to have to have conversations. The conversation might go like this. They may say, you know what, I had a difficult week this week. I'm sorry you had a difficult week. Man, I'm telling you, man, at home, it's just a big thing going on. Finances are troubling. The children, you know, they're acting crazy. It just seems like at work it's just one thing after another. Uh, You know, just just life of general, you know. And and then at that point there, then there can be conversation. You say, can I just lift? Can I just endure? Can I just carry that weight, that burden, that load, that trouble? Can I do that with you? Now, I'm going to ask you something tonight. No one's ever done that for me. Has anybody ever done that for you? Probably not. And we've been Christians for a long time. One another tonight needs to change. Don't you think? I think tonight that we need to find ourselves where we have a desire to not only re- restore one another, but in my heart tonight we are be begging God and pleading with God, God help me to receive another. Stop making me or stop allowing me to think of just me. And think of my household only and just my address. Break me out of that. Move me into other people's lives. Help me to know that one another, there's many out there that needs to be restored. And there's many out there that needs to be received. Make me one of those who can bear that burden, Lord. I believe that prayer tonight would be honorable with God. I believe it would change our homes. Can you imagine a husband and wife in this mindset? Can you imagine tonight a church with everybody tonight concerned about everybody else? I mean, we'd probably be falling all over each other. I mean, it'd probably be a a big old sloppy, uh, tear-jerking, heart-breaking. Uh, Everybody's everybody's trying to carry everybody's uh, burdens around, you know. We'd probably get in a fight. No, I wanted that one. I can't believe you asked him for that. I wanted to carry that. How rude of you. No, I don't think we'd probably go that far, but you know, it would be something tonight to to see us as a church tonight begin to bear one another's burdens. And so, uh, what does all that mean? How do we get there? Number one, uh, to bear one another's burdens tonight, we got to acknowledge one's burden. We got to acknowledge it. We got to acknowledge that there's a burden there. Number two, we got to act towards the burden. In other words, once we realize and understand uh, that there's a burden that's taking place, and then we got to act towards that burden. We can't say, okay, so and so has a burden upon them, and whenever they ask me to take it, I go ahead and take it. (laughs) No. Uh, That that person there, they got a heavy burden upon them, and I guess when they get tired of carrying it, maybe they'll ask somebody. No, that's not how that works either. You got to act. You the one who's supposed to bury one another's burdens. It's not the responsibility of the one carrying the burden to find somebody to carry it. It's us tonight who is not carrying that burden to find somebody who is carrying a burden and carry it for them. That's the responsibility of one another tonight. And so we've got to acknowledge there's a burden and then we've got to act towards that burden. That means we're gonna to have to make some sort of conversation, make some sort of phone call, make some sort of text message, some sort of a, a whisper or some say, Can I pull you over to the side? Somewhere there's gonna to have to be an action done to that individual tonight. Thirdly, I noticed that the, in order to do that, we're gonna to have to adhere to the one's burden. In other words, that burden that is given to you, uh, that load, uh, that weight, that trouble you're going to have to adhere to it. That means you're going to have to say, uh, don't think I want this. I think i go to the next one. No, you got to adhere to it. Uh, that just means uh, don't let it go until you lift it. Don't let it go until you lift it. Bear ye one another's burdens. There's no period there, there's no comma there, there's no colon or semicolon there. It's bear ye one another's burdens. That means tonight you have to take it and lift it. And don't let it go until it's lifted. You say, "Man, they might have a burden for a year where then you're with them for a whole year." That's what it means. Bear ye one another's burdens tonight. Not only don't let it go until lifted, but don't leave until finished. And we are bad. We are people and we're human and we're all this away tonight. We like starting things, but we don't like finishing things. Is that true? We're those people. And all of us tonight are guilty and having all kinds of ideas, having all kinds of visions and all kinds of, of thoughts, And we even begin things, but we don't finish things. Right? Right? And most of the time, we got two or three things going, Mm -hmm. and two or three things are unfinished. Mm -hmm. And then somebody somebody else asks us to start another thing, and yeah, 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 let's do it. And we start another thing. Mm -hmm. And so us as general, as people tonight, uh, we are going to have to bear one another's burdens knowing that we cannot leave until It's finished. You can't leave somebody. You can't bear the burden. And then halfway through you say, okay, you know, I can't do that no more. No, you got to do it until you finish. That's bear ye one another's burdens. We find here, thirdly, uh, that we're going to have to don't quit until it's sustained. Until sustained. Uh, As a bearing one another's burdens, what we're going to do is we're going to bring comfort to them. Comfort. While you're bearing your burden, while you're carrying your load, while you're enduring your trouble, I'm doing it with you. And I'm gonna let you know that with both of us, we can handle this. With both of us, we can do it. We can do it. We can achieve it. Uh, bringing comfort, bringing aid, aid to them. Sometimes people's burdens can be lifted by just a card. Or just to go out to eat lunch or just a $20 bill or just a pat on the back. Sometimes those kind of things get people out of this burden they're in. And then sometimes it takes more money and sometimes it takes more time. And sometimes it takes us to be inconvenient, like go out of our way. Like on a Thursday night, instead of going home and sitting in the couch and sitting on the couch and become a couch potato and, and watching TV, that you might drop by somebody's house after work. You say I'm tired too. Well, that, ain't, that we don't care about that. Well, I'm busy too. Well, we don't care about that either. You say well I got a life too. Well, we don't really care about that neither. What we care about is Galatians chapter six and verse two, don't we? Bear ye one another's burdens, and sometimes it's going to cost us sometimes it's going to create us to be inconvenient. Sometimes it'll cost us to go out of our way. Sometimes it'll cost us to, to do extra. Uh, it's going to do things that we don't maybe like to do, want to do, uh, have feel, feel free to do, have liberty to do. Uh, but because of that burden, because of that person whom I love, who I am told in the Scripture, this is a demand and a command of the Lord. Bear ye one another's burdens. It's not a suggestion. It's not a multiple choice. It's not something you can do, shall do, might do. It's something that you're told to do. And so you and I I have a greater responsibility than to do something that we're tired or we're busy or we got other things to do tonight. All that stuff is not in the Scripture. But what's in the Scripture is what we are to do with one another tonight. Many a times we find ourselves doing things tonight that's off the track, like, for example, uh, going to the grocery store. I can't bear one another burden. I can't go by the house. I can't stop there and bring them a little uh, bag of cookies or whatever because i got to go to the grocery store. It's like the grocery store won't be there tomorrow. It won't be there the next day. What are they, packing up and leaving, shutting doors, all the food going off the shelf? i got to cut my grass. It's like the grass isn't going anywhere either. Well, you know, I, I've got to... Do this, i got to do that. Man, listen, tonight we think of more excuses and we have, we have more uh, of, our, of our own kind of like uh, we can't do these things because these things are not necessarily comfortable. But they're aiding to those people. They're bringing comfort to those people. Uh, they're bringing a place of help to those people. Uh, they're being, we're being, they're being uh, to a place where you bring relief upon them. You bring a place where you give them help and you give them hope. Now I wonder tonight, I wonder anyone in here tonight who have a burden, I'd be surprised if you say no. I'd be surprised tonight if anybody in this room would say I don't have a burden. Be, I think that would be probably just crazy. It would be a miracle if nobody in this room has a burden, has a weight, or has a trouble in their life. Now, for you tonight who does have a weight, a trouble, or a, uh, a, a burden upon you tonight, how would you feel if somebody come to you and said to you, I acknowledge it, I'm going to act toward it, and I'm going to adhere to it, and I'm going to be with you along the way. I want to aid you, help you, bring you hope, bring you relief in the burden, in the weight, and the trouble that you are. You can count on me. I'm right next to you. I got my, you got my phone number. You've got, you got my address. You, you know where I'm at. I'm going to call you. I'm going to come by. I'm going to talk to you. What can I do for you? How can I help you through this? Now, I wonder tonight, how would that help you? How would that make you feel tonight? I, good, right? Or maybe you're just kind of the person that says, I like my burdens, leave me alone. I want to be in troubles. I mean, I want weights on me, man. I'm telling you, I like living in weights. I've been living in weights for over 20 years now. I'm used to it now. You may be that guy. You may that be that gal. But for a Christian tonight, who says to about another Christian, "I like somebody to walk with me," right? Sometimes we feel alone, don't we? Sometimes we feel like there's nobody cares. Sometimes we at home. We got a house full of kids. We got wife, and nobody cares. We're in a church of 30, 40, 50, 60. You say, Does anybody care about me? Right? Amen? Everybody's coming. Everybody's going. They get to go home. They get to do this. They get to do that. Nobody's caring about your weight, your burden, or your trouble. Nobody's asking. Nobody's concerned. And here you are, man, under the heavy load of life. Here you are under a weight of things that, Fred, it's just getting tough on you. And nobody is even reaching out to you. I'm just saying. Wouldn't it be good? Somebody come to receive from you that burden, that weight. I'm just saying tonight, this is kind of probably not how we usually live our lives. The only way we live our lives usually is like this, is whenever you get such a heavy burden or get to such a heavy weight or trouble, you come to the preacher. And you say, Can I talk to you? Or you go to a counselor, or you go to a therapist, or you go to a doctor, or you go to a financial advisor, or you go to a psychiatrist, or you go to a psychologist, or uh, you, you go to uh, different went, different ones that uh, pertain to the different weight or burden that you have, and you reach out to all these people here tonight, and yet the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who are the bearer of burdens. Everybody else don't have it spoken to them and told to them but us. And who are we to bear the burdens of? Brethren, brethren. We're talking about the church bearing the burdens of the church. That's the church tonight. The church bearing the burden. The church restoring one another. The world ain't going to restore a Christian. A Christian restores a Christian. The world don't care about your burden, friend. I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is how it works with the, with the very world we have. Now tell me if I'm lying. People say, if you're lying, you're dying. <laughs> We're all dying. That's for sure. So you get a credit card. And you get a, a $5,000 limit on your credit card. Man, you, you, put that five, you get that $5,000 on there, and you pay it off every month, every month. month. Next thing you knew is get another credit card. Right? Through the mail. Mm-hmm. Hey, you have been pre-approved. Yeah. Man, all you got to do is sign on the line. And we'll give you $8,000 on a credit limit. Wow. Man, my credit! wow. Man, I'm doing good. You sign up. You sign up. And next thing you know, you get that card, you get that going. And now, next thing you know, you get another one in the mail. Pre approved. You're doing so well. Your credit rating is this and, and that and right there. Oh, we give you a $10,000 credit limit. Right, you're beside yourself now. You say, man, I didn't have no credit. Now I can get three credit cards, 10,000, 10, 10, G's. <laughs> I mean, listen, friend, I could do a lot with 10 G's. Uh-huh. And you get a credit card. Well, they ain't much longer, man. Two or three years goes by and you're about $20,000 in debt. Uh-huh. Right? Because by that time you got two more of the cards. Mm-hmm. And you go to department store cards. You start getting some coal cards. You start getting some other type of cards. And now you got MasterCard. Now you got coal cards. Now you got gas card. And, you, you did, and next thing you know, man, you're under this debt, under this burden. Right. And you're just paying now minimum uh-huh. balance. You're not, not paying the balance. You're paying the minimal payments, right? So now you got 27% interest on, on some of these cards. And boy, you're, you're, fixed. You're, you're you're getting better. They send you another card. Now do you think they really care whether you're drowning in finances? No, they don't. No. They don't give a rip. No. They don't give a rip about your health. You go to the doctor, they say, Oh, what well, you gotta pay? A forty-five dollar deductible? Yeah, forty-five dollar deductible. You pay the forty-five dollar deductible. You get home, you get a you get a bill in the in the mail from some doctor. Hundred thirteen dollars, and then you get another bill for somebody else here for eighty seven dollars. You get another bill here for the facility for another four hundred dollars. You say, I thought I paid it all? Mm. No, you didn't. Mm. I'm just saying tonight, the world don't care about you. That's right. If the church don't care about the church, mm. there's nobody cares for the church. Mm-hmm. And you and I tonight have to bear one another's burdens. We're going to have to become like family, mm-hmm. right? And we don't all have to live in the same house. And we don't all have to eat the same food. And we don't have to brush our teeth with the same paste, toothpaste. And we don't all have to wear the same cologne or deodorant. But, friend, we've got to know that we're family. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We're people of burdens, weights, and we've got troubles. And so the God gives the answer. He, gives, he sees the need, but He gives a remedy of the need. He says, this is what it's going to take. And number four, I want you to notice tonight. I notice that the Bible says to us to fulfill the law of Christ. You see that in that verse there, verse 2? It says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Galatians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's another question asked one day, Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? The Bible says you are to love them as thyself. And so we see tonight in the way of of this fulfilling the law of Christ, what the law of Christ was love, right? So we find the burden of man. Look in Galatians chapter 4 with me. Because if we're going to ful- fulfill the law of Christ, we got to know what that law of Christ was, which was love, and His love tonight we are to follow. So we look in Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, says, Now I say that the heir, as long as his, his child differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of the sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of the Son, His Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more servant but a son, if a son, than an heir of God through Christ. What we find here is there was a burden of man. The burden of man was sin. Right? So who was going to bear the burden of sin? Jesus. Jesus was the only one to bear the burden of sin. And that's what he said there, to redeem them that were under the law. And so we find if we're going to follow the law of Christ, we got to know that what the law of Christ means and what it is, and it is Christ having a, uh, coming to us who had the burden of sin. And he carried that sin. He lifted that weight. He's the one who endured the trouble we had. And that's the love of Christ. And you and I tonight see an example to fulfill the love of Christ. That is the burden of man. Now he was the bearer of sin. We find that in Isaiah fifty three eleven. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by the knowledge shall, he, shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. So not only did Jesus see the burden of man, which was sin, but he became the bearer of the sin. We find that in Hebrews nine twenty-eight, so Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin. First Peter two twenty-four, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you are healed. And so we see the burden of man with sin. We see the bearer of sin was Christ and then we see the beholder of the law there in the law of Christ he said this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me So the law of Christ is Christ saw the burden of man, which was sin. He is the bearer of that burden. He's the one who bared them so they can be lifted from that sin, and he did it because of love. Mm -hmm. So you and I tonight are going to fulfill the law of Christ means that we're going to find the burden and then we're going to bear it Mm -hmm. because we love them. Mm -hmm. That's how that works. Fulfill the law of Christ. And so we find tonight uh, an example is Christ, what he did and how he did it. The beholder of the law, who loved me. You want to follow the law. Those who want to follow the law, those who want to follow, you know, the, 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 the very dietary laws, they want to follow the ceremonial laws. They want to follow the Ten Commandments. They want to follow the Sabbath. They want to follow all those. Well, here I give you a law to follow. Right here. Love one another by bearing one another's burden. That's a law, isn't it? Fulfill the law of Christ. Bear you one another's burdens. Fulfill the law of Christ. Hey, when you begin to fill that law, then you can go to your dietary law. Then you go to your ceremonial law. And then you go to the moral law. That's what you can do. But first of all, you've got to fulfill this law. This is the only law that you and I are required to fulfill. Did you know that? We're not required to fulfill the dietary law, nor the ceremonial law, nor the moral law. We have one law, the law of Christ. That's what we are to fulfill. We find tonight you want to keep the law, then love one another by bearing one another's burdens. And so we find tonight the very clear picture of what? of love. We see it with Christ. You wonder if someone could use a ride to church or maybe a home from church. You offer that ride. Amen? Anyway. I've seen people before. People come to our church. They ask, hey, will you come pick me up? And we come pick them up. And sometimes we couldn't pick them up and some others could pick them up, but they didn't pick them up because it would take them out of their way. They had to, maybe, they, because they had a straight shot from here to here was like 10 minutes. But if you had to go pick up somebody, it would be 20 minutes. So that means you've got to leave a little bit earlier from church to go all the way out there and pick them up. Then after church, you've got to take them home. And then you've got to go all the way around and take them home, and you get home a little later. That's just too much. But if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, this is kind of the example of what it would take. You wonder how someone is feeling, or where are they at or how they are doing, won't you call them? Won't you text them? Won't you go by and see them? See, that's fulfilling the law of Christ, right? I'll give you another one. You're wondering if someone needs a car repaired or an AC fixed or they need a doctor bill paid, then why don't you give them money? Fulfilling the law of Christ. Right? Amen. I don't know why I'm so quiet. You wonder if someone needs a pair of shoes or a new shirt or a haircut, then won't you provide the funds to meet that need? Now, what we will do is we'll see somebody with a ratty, ratty pair of shoes on with some maybe pants that are too big or too small or maybe kind of long hair or whatever, uh, kind of straggly or whatever, and we'll sit back and we'll say, I'll tell you what, the people right there, their pants are way too short. Look like high water. Their pants are way too too big. A couple of people are getting them things. That's as far as we go. Am I right? Yes. So now we're hearing the Scripture Instead of making that kind of comments and stuff, you go to them and say, hey, here's $35, man. I want to buy you a new pair of pants. I want to get you a new belt. I want to buy you a new dress. Here's, here's, here's $40 for a blouse. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with it? Nothing. Nothing at all. How about somebody come in and say, hey, man, you know what? Let's, let's go by the filling station. Here. I just want to fill your tank up. Well, I just filled it up on the way here. Well, amen. Amen, I'm glad that. Let me know. That's fulfilling the love of Christ, the law of Christ. Acknowledging, acting, and adhering. I'm just saying tonight, we've got to be more. We've got to do more. We can't just be satisfied with just us. You say, I'm limited with money. Well, I'm gonna tell you this: Give, and it shall be given unto you. Amen. Is that true? Yeah. Anybody been saved for any time of, of length? You'll find that you'll never outgive God. Right. And here's how it works: A lot of times, you go put somebody gas in somebody's tank; somebody's gonna put some gas in your tank. Mm-hmm. Where a man soul he also reap. Right. Is that right? That's right. I'll be, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Uh, there, there, there's, there's a situation in my, in my, my life that I had to pay. $3,700. And so, man, I said, 3700 That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So, uh, I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And so, uh, said, I said, I'm just going to trust God. So, I had up to December, the, had up to November the 29th today to pay the $3,700. So, two days ago, I get a text about our work. And our work was this. It was that if we meet a certain goal, us, us in this BDM group, if we meet a certain goal, that we'll, we'll get 1% back as a bonus. You know what that bonus
3: was?
0: I'm just saying... I got 30 years of these stories. It's just unbelievable what God will do if we just obey him and do what he asks us to do. Amen. All right, lastly, I'll close. I got four minutes for those that are keeping score. Number three, the rejecting of one another. The rejecting of one another. Not only restoring one another and to receive one another, but then... The rejecting of one another. Look in verse 3. The Bible says, by comparing to one another, he says there in chapter 6, verse 3 For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Now, when you're thinking you're something, You're thinking you're better. You're thinking you're more spiritual. You're thinking you're more stronger. You're thinking you're more wiser. Uh, You're thinking that you don't have to buy anybody any gas. You don't have to offer any money. You don't have to buy any lunches. You don't have to get somebody to come over to your house and eat dinner. You don't have to do extra. You ain't got to go out of the way. You ain't got to bring somebody to church. You ain't going to have to pick somebody up. You're thinking, listen, that's not me. Let somebody else do that. Let somebody else do all that. Then right now, the Bible says to you, you're deceived and really you're rejecting one another because you're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You're thinking you're better than that. You're thinking that, listen, I would rather go to take, get a pop of Sita's or go down here to, to, uh, to that coffee place with a Starbucks. Go down to Starbucks and buy a $40 cup of coffee with about 1,400 pumps and 13 of drops and all this kind of other stuff you throw in it. And man... You know, and you, and you after you drink all that, you're wired up to the ceiling. And you could have took that money and been a real blessing, but you thought more highly of yourself than that. And so tonight, I'm not saying that Starbucks is a bad place. I'm not saying but buying coffee for $40 is a bad thing. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying tonight that whenever you start deceiving yourself, thinking that you... Don't have to do these things. If these things are not you, let somebody else do them. Then you've got a real problem in deception, according to the scripture. And then here, secondly, by them by comparing to one another, by, by competing with one another. Verse four, he says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Uh, to be impressed with you, or rejoicing with you, or content with you. You're proving yourself. You're testing yourself. You examine yourself. You're competing with everyone. You know this ain't a competition. This is not what everybody's doing. We're not comparing to one another. We're not competing with one another. No. And then lastly, by contradicting, contradicting one another. In verse 5, the Bible says, For every man shall bear his own burden. Now that word burden there uh, is, is a different word than the word uh, there in verse 2. Uh, this burden means here. It means task or service. It means will. In other words, for every man shall bear his own burden, meaning you shall receive your own task. You should receive your own work or your own service. It's not, talking about, it's not talking about that burden. It's not a load or a weight or a trouble. It's not what this means. It means that each one of us needs to bear our own work. Whatever we see, however we can bear one another's burdens, how we can receive one another, my, what my service is. I need to bear that. I need to figure out what my responsibility and my job is in the church concerning restoring and receiving or bearing one of those burdens. And then I've got to bear my own burden. That means I've got to do what I need to do in order to fulfill the Scripture. That's what that means. So tonight, we we can't help you in your burden and this kind of burden where if God tells you to do something, we can't help you with that. you got to bear that own burden. If God says help somebody, if God says restore somebody, God says to bear that burden, to cover it, or to lift it, well, then you have to bear your own burden. You can't come to me and say, hey, Brother Larry, uh, I'm just going to use it for example. Hey, Brother Larry, uh, you think that you might be able to, to uh, help Sister Sophia here? I mean, I think she needs a new sweater. And so... But I, I really like to see her having a new sweater. You, you think you might be able to go in half with me mm. for her sweater? You say, what's wrong with that? Well, I'm sorry, I, I can't bear your burden. If God lay that on your heart, then you've got to come up with all of it. Mm-hmm. I know it's a silly illustration, but I'm just saying, tonight we, we have to come to a place where you and I just say, Lord, I, I just want to be what you want me to be. And tonight at the church, tonight as a whole, we begin to receive one another and begin to restore one another and begin not rejecting one another. Can you imagine what we can be? We could be something. We, we, could, be, we could be something as a light in the midst of the darkness in which we live. I'm telling you, friend, it would bring joy and happiness not in our church and our hearts, but in your homes. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, our heads about, our eyes are closed, one another. I don't know about you, man, but God has really spoke to my heart in these thoughts about one another in both of these messages. I need help from the Lord. That I need to be more engaged. I need to be more thoughtful. I gotta be more aware. I gotta look around more. I gotta be more sensitive. God help me tonight. Anybody like that tonight just need to come to the altar and say, God, help me. Help me with one another. Maybe tonight you have a burden. You ought to just come down and lay it at the altar. You can do that. God said, I want you to do that. Cast all your care upon me, for I careth for you. He tells us to cast our burden upon him, and he shall sustain it. Oh, God can do that tonight, but he also asks us to help you bear it. Maybe you have a burden tonight. You just need somebody to help you bear it. Why not you come pray? Maybe tonight you come pray and say, God, give me somebody that I can bear their burden or I can restore them. God, help me, Lord, not to think more highly of myself. Help me not to be comp- competitive to our, with our church members and, and comparing myself to anybody. Help me not to be contradictory to what you have to say. Oh, there's so much tonight that we need from the Lord. How about you? You come. Anybody needs to come, you come. You come. I believe revival would break out tonight if we'd all just take these scriptures seriously about one another. I believe one thing lacking in churches today is, is the one another. I believe that we're lacking. I, I believe there's many people who are just single. There's individuals. They're not grouped in. They're not connected. They're not family. They come and go. They're not touched. They're not affected. When one cries, the others don't cry. When one laughs, the others don't laugh. When one mourns, the others don't mourn. We've got to become together. We're living in the last days. If there's ever a time, we need more of each other these days you come what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray just pray for about what we just preached on here tonight and, and then we'll come pray together Father I come to you in Jesus name here tonight you've really put a conviction in my heart tonight concerning one another about restoring those who have been overtaken in a fault and about receiving one another tonight and bearing each other burdens God, I ask you tonight, help me. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to see more, help me to know more. And then I pray, Father, that you'd help me to to bear those burdens, to carry those weights. God, to endure those troubles. I know I got some myself, and I pray, Father, that you'd send somebody my way, God, to help me to carry mine. And Lord, I pray, Father, tonight that we as a church would become a family, that we become so connected and so uh, adhering to one another tonight, God, that all we do is just aid and help and bring hope to each other. God, that the world may see us, the family may know us. God, they might say, Oh, there's something about that church that, that they just care for one another. They just love one another. They just fulfill the law of Christ, and that is a burden, and somebody bears it. Oh, I'd love to be that church tonight. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us, oh, God, to to understand it clearly, to practice this in our homes, practice this in our church, practice this in our work, God, that we'll just fulfill the love of Christ, or the law of Christ. Thank you again for the message tonight. Thank you for all you've done for us. God, I believe tonight you helped me, and I thank you for it. For those tonight who are praying, asking for help themselves, I pray you'll help them. Whatever they're searching for, whatever they're seeking for, God, answer their prayer. God, give them the desires of their heart. Pray you lift their burdens and carry, God, their weights. God, they may endure their troubles. Send somebody their way, God, to help them along. We love you tonight. We thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, tonight, is there any.